Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll ask the Lord to teach us as we look and read verses 1 through 4. Father, um, how glorious it is to be with your people, to draw to your book, to delight and be joyous and overwhelmed in the celebration of the saints, the worship of your people, the fellowship that we have in the power of the Spirit and the authority of your word. So, Lord, as we come now to look at this massive text, Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And, Father, teach us. Teach us to our soul. We understand the urgency of the day and the glorious things that you're doing. Let us be found faithful. Let us be found walking worthy of this wondrous calling. You and you alone. In Christ's name. Amen. Chapter 16, 1 Corinthians, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it be fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. Okay, we're coming right out of the resurrection text. But one of the things that we can kind of forget, especially when you come out of the resurrection text, and now you look at this concerning this collection for the saints, is do we realize what's going on here? Take this whole letter and think about what is being said here. Okay, the first six chapters are nothing but chastening. I mean, he is angry at this church. They have fallen into immorality. They have um, corrupted the Lord's table. Uh, the rich people in the community would have a potluck and they would eat it before the poor people came. And the poor people would just have the leftovers. The people They had an overwhelming pride issue in the church where people would say, but I am of Paulus, I am of Paul, I am of Christ. And they were parading their arrogance before the body of Christ. They believed that they, for some reason, were more important than others. And Paul says, but did he not take the foolish to confound the wise? Did he not take the weak to overthrow the strong? And I mean, he just blisters these people. And then... In chapter 7, he says, now concerning the things which you wrote me. And then he starts dealing there where people were saying, well, if you're married, you're more spiritual than if you're single. And then some would be saying, well, you know, you're more spiritual if you're single than if you're married. And then it goes back and forth. And it was just ugly, ugly, ugly. They had corrupted spiritual gifts. They didn't even have any idea what they were used for. When the church would break out, everybody would get up and start talking all at once. It was chaos. He straightens that all out. Chapter 15, he says, you're missing the issue here, guys. We're getting resurrected. Okay, and everything you're doing is self-centeredness. And you've missed it. 
And then in chapter 16, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints. Okay? Look at your outline. You'll see that I've laid it out in four points. And what we're doing is we're moving. There's a bridge, and I'll tie this all together next week, but there's a bridge that I am moving on that goes between the principles of giving and the protection in giving. Okay? But the purpose of the giving. Okay? Why? Why do I give to the church? Okay? Well, it's just for the saints. That's what it says there. Not concerning collection for what? For the saints. The number one priority in the church is what? Taking care of the saints. Okay? Taking care of the saints comes in two forms, physical and spiritual. Okay? I mean, you can't teach them if they're starving. Okay? But the church's primary number one responsibility is this. I must take care of the saints. That's number one. There, now listen, there's times when you will run into a sojourner, or like the Good Samaritan, okay? Someone who falls on hard times that are outside the body of Christ, yeah, you can help them. But your number one priority is what? The body of Christ. I mean, when we have a building, who do you think keeps the lights on? Okay? When, if, if it ever snows again... Who cleans the parking lot? <laughs> okay? I mean, we have heat, telephones, all right? And, you know, we try to keep it to a minimum, but it's basically taking care of the saints. And if you take and look at all of it, everything that we do in this building is either going for the physical or the spiritual. You can't separate them. All right, and so we, we, we do that. Here, we need to understand that the context here is saying the Jerusalem saints. Now, the Jerusalem saints were a serious bunch of poor people. Okay, Jerusalem was not uh, noted for its wealth. But as soon as a Jew came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they're cut off from the family, they're cut off from the synagogue, and they're probably cut off from their jobs. And then you got that goofy Peter. Every time he walks out, a few thousand people get saved. And you're, you know, I can just see about half of this. I was, shut up, Peter. Uh, we got 10,000 people right now. None of them's got a job. Okay. And, and, we, and that's why if you look in chapter four, why? You had some wealthy people were doing what? Selling their possessions so that they could meet the physical needs. And it got so big that by chapter 6, guess what? The apostles are like, we can't do all of this. We need to find some godly men to start taking care of these physical needs. Okay? So you see how it happened. All right? But the first priority, the first thing that we do as a church. Let me share, share with you Castle Rock Baptist Church and what we've done. Okay, we withdrawn from uh, all the Baptist mi missions that everybody would know of. Okay, and we got involved with people that we have actual responsibility uh, and 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 are on the ground with these people: Gennady, Leonid, okay, Alexander, Igor. All right, um, and 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 you sit there and you say, you know what? These are all pastors who are taking care of God's flock and they're reaping an, a serious harvest. But you know what? We've done more than that. When I first started going to Russia, um, 
the orphanages were shut to us. Um, the Baptists are considered a sect. All right, the only recognized religion in Russia is the Russian Orthodox, and so it was a sect. They don't want nothing to do with us. So and some of you will remember this. Uh, it's been a few years ago. I started asking for blankets, for quilts. Remember? And I put them in them jetpack things that shrinks them down and stuffed my luggage full of it. I, I, a plane kind of flew like this when I was going across the Atlantic. <laughs> and all I knew is that God, I have got to get there. This is like a serious load. Then I came back with all this luggage and nothing in it. But anyway, uh, that makes customs go, what are you doing? Anyway, um, nothing bringing back air. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, we took those blankets, we gave them to Transfiguration Church, and you know what they did with them? They took them to the orphanage. And remember, we got pictures of these orphans with our quilts on their beds. That immediately opened the door and... They had a young lady in the church named Lena, and she began teaching Bible studies in the orphanages, all based on a bunch of quilts. Okay? But Lena didn't have the time, still had, she's single, and she just don't have no money, so the church started giving, this church started giving to pay her a salary through Transfiguration Church. All right? Then guess what happened? A lady in the church was helping Lena, went down, and this lady's a school teacher, went down, and she found two orphans, and she says, I want to adopt them. So we send her 50 bucks a month to help her offset the cost of raising these two kids because she doesn't make that much as a school teacher. Okay? That is what supporting the saints is doing. Okay, you collect. Why do we collect? So we can help Lena, Maria, these two boys that she adopted, the door in the orphanage. And you know what else we're doing? We're supporting a handful of pastors. Okay, and right now, if you're truly honest with it, looking at the pastors we've got and what we're teaching and what we're accomplishing, this church, as small as we are, have 17 daughter churches. That doesn't count Burma, doesn't count what we're trying to do in India, and just Russia and Belarus. 17 churches, 17 congregations that you guys are directly responsible for, for your giving. You know what? I'd like to tell you I planned that. Hey, no way. All I knew is I wanted to get them quilts out of my luggage. Well, you try carrying it around. And, you know, even with the little wheels on, you're like, gee, when you carry it, you got a Buick. Um, but I share that with you because when I, I look at the degree of their poverty, I can sort of get a sense of what that Jerusalem church was like. I mean, I preached at this little bitty home church in Zeminfka before we built the house of prayer. All right. And this lady starts weeping. I was preaching out of Revelations 21 because they were celebrating the announcement of to Mary that she was with child. It's nine months before they celebrate Christmas. And so I taught Revelation saying, here's what the baby was about. <laughs> okay. And this lady's weeping. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe the translation ain't going well or something. Uh, and then she comes up and she says, I have nothing. 
I have nothing. And she hands me a bag of eggs. Big old Ziploc plastic bag full of eggs. She says, this is all I have for the man who brought me the word of God and the glory of the coming Christ. Bag of eggs. Lady, you know how I'm going to get that through immigration? They're not going to believe that's a bag of air. <laughs> By the time I get to Atlanta, it'll probably be omelet anyway. Um, but see what we do? Why do you give? The purpose of giving, first and foremost, is for the saints. You know, we, we used to sing the song, and we still do every once in a while, we're the family of God. All right? But then we move into, if you look at that, he says there... In verse 2, we start looking at principles for giving. And what I want you to start remembering, I'm going to keep reminding these over the next couple of weeks, is that the principle between the principles of giving and the protection of giving, there's a bridge. And it's a series of events that because of the principles, there is protection. Okay? When am I to give? First day of every week. That's the Lord's Day. For those of you who don't understand that calendar, it's Sunday. We always think the first day of the week is when? Monday. But it's not. All right? And, and, and it, it is when you come to worship. And part of my worship is based on what? Giving. Giving. If you go and look at what we are producing today in the church, that's not what you're seeing in the church. Most people go to church today for what reason? To get. I want some. We get called. We had a call just in between the Sunday school hour and the worship time. Do you guys get hotel rooms? No, we don't. <laughs> we don't even own a hotel. Okay, but what, what, where do people get that idea? Well, let's, listen, I've known people, we've seen them, we've had them come through, who make their living going from church to church. Uh, we've got a guy who's been calling two or three times a week, ready for us to finish paying off this month's rent at his hotel he's staying at in Boulder. I rest my case. But anyway, <laughs> do, do I need to explain that? We give... First and foremost to who? And we do it when? First day, when we come to worship, part of my worship is what? To give. And, and it's, it's weekly. Why? You give weekly. Why? Because it becomes a habit. It becomes a stewardship. It becomes systematic. It is something that I have to do and bring myself to every time I worship with God's people. It is time for me to worship in my giving. In my giving. Okay? Where? Where do I give this at? At the Tharsis. That's the Terminal Degree. Treasury. Where's the treasury? It's the church. It's the church. I come. When I come to worship, I come. And they laid it at the apostles' feet. At the apostles' feet. Then I... Next question I ask, then who is to give? Only you who are saved. <laughs> Everybody, you give. Well, you don't understand. I don't really. You want to tell me right now, anybody in this room doesn't have something. 
then I will look at you in the eye with the most love that I can muster and say, you are deceiving yourself. Because I have been places where they don't have anything. When a, a widow woman can walk up to me and give me a bag of eggs, I'm betting anybody in here can beat that. Okay? So who gives? Everyone. Everyone. Okay? I like it because it's each one, that means there's no one is exempt. If you're a Christian, you should be wanting to give. It's systematic. It's week by week by week. You know what? When I think about giving, it is a giving a loving heart unto God. And it is my, a joyous response to God who has given me everything. I mean, he has given you everything. The reason that you're in this country, the reason you're in this state, the reason you're in this town is a gift from God. Not counting eternal life. Not counting a resurrected body. Not counting, oh, you're just joint heirs with Christ. That means you only own existence. That's all. There should be an overwhelming joy from the saints of God to give. We should be knocking ourselves out to give. I see. I think I can give more. Why? I don't know. I'll go sell some aluminum cans. I'll, I'll go do something. You think about it. How many times are we willing to work overtime so we can have what? I wonder if anybody has ever worked overtime so that they could give more to the Lord. That's an interesting concept. No, I'm going to go on vacation. I need to work overtime. I need a new car. I need to work overtime. I need this. I need to work overtime. Okay? You know what? The Lord is doing some really cool stuff in, in, in Orel, and these summer camps are their biggest evangelistic event. I should work some overtime so I can get more money to Orel. An interesting thought. So that, that loving heart should be there. Um, then last week, everybody's favorite topic. How much? How much do I give? Okay. Well, and, and I'm going to re-summarize this one quickly. Uh, there was a lot of information, but I'm going to just kind of give you three quick little points that you can think about on this. Maybe it'll help you with this. Understand this. Whatever you give is an investment with God. Point one. Okay? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Okay? Um, you know, I kind of look at it, how much do you want to return on? Kind of the way I look at it. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Remember, if you give, he will give it back, measured, pressed down, and pouring over. Okay? And, and it leads to the question can you outgive God? Have you ever tried? I have seen people in the Bible who have tried. Next week you'll see it. I couldn't believe what I was finding. So. Whatever God has given you, are you going to invest that in God or in you? 
Okay. The second thing is that your giving should be sacrificial. Okay. David says, I will not offer the Lord anything that is, has no cost to me. It's, it's like I used to use the illustration if you was wanting to help a brother or sister in Christ and you had a 1953 Volkswagen or 2009 Mercedes SL. Okay? If you were going to give somebody in the body of Christ needed a car, which one would be a sacrifice to give? I know. The Volkswagen is a collector's car. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> then you keep it and give away the Mercedes. No worries. <laughs> okay. Um, but he's not trying to get at, do I give sacrificially? Okay. Listen, I showed you the widow. She went in and gave an eighth of a cent. But you know how much, what percentage it was? 100. Well, I thought it was the tithe. It was on steroids. Okay, well, but you know, that was the widow and she, okay, Zacchaeus. He only gave 50%. Okay. Paul says that the Macedonians gave liberally out of their poverty. And he says out of their deep poverty. If that was in 2 Corinthians 8, 2. Philippians 4, the Philippians were poor and they had given so much for Paul just to minister the gospel. He said, you have given so abundantly in your love. God shall supply all your needs in Christ. Philippians chapter 4. You know, we miss this. Jesus became... Poor, so that we would be rich. We would be rich. When you think about your giving, when you think about how much, I want you to think about this. God said, I'm going down and walk among them, and I'm going to take on and incarnate into man and redeem them. Why didn't he go to royalty? Why didn't he go to a palace? How did he come? Listen, Joseph and Mary were not just poor. Joseph and Mary were dirt poor. You know how I know that? The offering for her cleansing after having a child, the wall demands a lamb. And you know what they gave? Two pigeons. And that says, when you are a beggar... You can atone for your sin by pigeons. And yet now they had in their arms the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, God incarnate. I'm thinking God has sort of an identity thing with poor. Maybe not. The mass, and listen, I want you to think about this because when you think about giving, I have to go to one one text, it's in 2 Corinthians 8. You can go look it up yourself. But I want you to think about this. You're giving. The third thing. You're giving. 
will be in measure out of your spiritual overflow. Okay. The Macedonians first gave what? They gave themselves to the Lord. Okay. And when you do that, guess what? Money don't really mean that much to you, does it? I ain't trying to hold on to it. And when you give yourself to the Lord, then you realize that whatever I give monetarily, I'm investing in God. Is there anything out there that offers a better return? No. There's nothing better out there. And you know what? Even when you're in the middle of this, guess what happens? You're never going to be shaken. Ever. 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 And it brings me to what I want to deal with this in a brief way. At the end of verse 2 there. Okay. It says, so that no collection be made when I come. And... It's what I would call, and you're going to see, I'll tie these all together next week, but you're going to see the reasons to give. Okay, why are we wanting to do this now? Why why am I um, wanting some help with Pastor Philip? Why am I wanting to uh, remind you of Pastor Paul and Gennady and Leonid and Igor and Alexander? Uh, we haven't even gotten their letters yet. Uh, why am I concerned about the, the summer camps in, in Orel? Why, why do all of these things say here? Okay, listen, I want to tell you the biggest thing right now. And the reasons to give. And then it's in that statement so that no collections be made when I come. Giving is not to be forced. Okay, now that's not like we're going to stand up here and we're going to hold guns to your head and say, now listen, we want your cash now. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what I see on a regular basis is emotional appeals. Okay? At periods of time, if you watch, you have these yank on your heart strings, we'll put up some distended belly little baby that needs to be fed, or, or we'll show this crisis this, this crisis that, these people are starving, these people are this and this and going on, and it just yanks at your heart. Okay? The terminology that the Apostle Paul is using here, he says, I don't want that to happen when I get there. Why? If you are doing it systematically, week by week, in the passion of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ, giving out of the abundance that God has already given you, because you have given yourself first to God, then guess what? When I get there, there will be treasure in the treasury. And I don't have to put up some kind of computer screen or some DVD so that you people are moved to get off of your proverbial spiritual butts to give some cash. Why? It will already be there. That's what the Apostle Paul says, is that I don't need the emotional 
movement to get this done. If I'm doing it systematically, week by week, I do this so we don't need to have this great appeal when I get there for the suffering saints in Jerusalem. See, this should... This should be in the flow of our systematic giving. Why? Well, what if? What if an emergency comes up? What if? Listen, I just read you a letter from Pastor Paul. His father-in-law is ill and his brother are ill. They are in the house with them. I know that he pays a little over nine bucks a gallon for diesel fuel. And yet he's running a school, a seminary, and now he's ahead of the church collectively in the Tediment Hills. I think he needs help. I could be wrong. Let's see, he's got Medicaid, Medicare, doesn't he? Oh, wait, that's Burma. It's a military dictatorship. I forgot. Giving for the Orel camps. I've been out there where they have the camps. They're wanting 240 kids this year and they're wanting them all to be lost. They're turning away saved kids so that they can reach the lost kids. It's a worthy investment. They believe that the generation has, that has come out of socialism now that is in existence is not open to the gospel as they were 10 years ago. And they believe that they really want to see the gospel move now and they should be investing in the children. In the children. See, giving should be in the flow of our life. That's what he's using here. It's not some... Emotional appeal on a periodic basis. It should be going, I, I'm investing in God. I mean, you thought about that? I, I, I go back to Barnabas in Acts 4, and he, he sells a piece of property, okay, and he takes the entire proceeds and lays it at the foot of the apostles. Let me ask you a question. You guys remember these guys, right? They were bankers and businessmen. They were great financers. They had this all figured out. Peter wasn't even a good fisherman. We just read it this morning. Had not been divine intervention. He don't catch no fish. It's just like when I fish. (laughs) There wasn't anybody there who was a businessman. Who were they? A bunch of poor people, dirt poor people, and the people Barnabas was well to do or he wouldn't own property. He tails his property and he gives it to a, a bunch of nobodies. Well, what economics college did you graduate from, Peter? Why? God says, I'll take the foolish things to confound the wise. See, I watch this. I see this on a regular basis, brothers and sisters. You'll have a group of men who are spiritual, and then you have the finance committee. The spiritual guys go over here, and they say, you know what? This is what God wants us to do. And they take it over to the finance committee, and the finance committee says, well, we'll see if we can afford it. Well, that's a good idea. No. You take your offering, and you give it to who? The godly. 
the spiritual. They're responsible because they know they have to give an account before who? Christ. You ain't going to get a businessman doing that. You ain't going to do it. Ain't going to happen. I have been blessed in my ministry to be surrounded by people who will handle the money, who are extraordinarily godly and seek the things of God. And you know what? There's times when you're seeking things of God, you have got to check out common sense. Common sense just don't float. And you just sit there and go, well, here we go. Because if giving is in the flow of our life, and it won't be based on emotion, and then it just keeps going, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going. It's week to week, it's sacrificial in its source. Listen, there are a whole bunch of people out there right now, far too many who are waiting for some spiritual goosebump on whether I should give or not. Do something to excite me, to move me, to sway me, oh, and I'll give you an extra 50 cents. Okay, I remember one time uh, in a church service, and I was just sitting there, and uh, there was an offering for the preacher, and I thought, oh, this is cool. So I just reached in my pocket. I had $120. I had a $100 bill and a $20 bill. So I was reaching in there, and I was going to and just grab it and fold it up to it in the plate. I thought I gave him the 20 <laughs> <laughs> and then I went out to get something to eat and thought, oh, McDonald's <laughs> for a month. Uh, okay, now I'd like to tell you I was more spiritual and I prayed up and said, you give it a go. No way, man. I reached into my pocket and I said, there, there we go. And I just stowed it in the plate. No big deal. And all of a sudden, uh-oh. <laughs> but you know what? I can honestly say God bless you. But you know what? It wasn't based on emotion. I don't give. I'm based on emotion. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling here. The reason that you don't want to do this for your protection, we'll look at it in depth next week, but for your protection is, I don't want to do it to sit there and stir you up with some kind of spiritual goosebump and have you give. I want you to give out of the abundance of what God has given you because of what God has given you. Okay, and you make the decision yourself. You sit there. It's between you and God what you give. These, these emotional things. Um, listen, when I see this, and it is a common practice, brothers and sisters, it is everywhere, okay? It's to stir you up. Let me get your emotions all fired up so you'll give. What happens in that is that so many now in the body of Christ have no idea of the meaning of being faithful. Oh, I just didn't feel led to give. Really? My Bible says each one of you give weekly. That's not a rocket science there. Well, how could I just didn't feel led? Really? Sin getting your way, did it? See, there are times when the body of Christ has to meet a need. The other night, it's been a couple of weeks ago, um, a whole passel full of girls showed up here at the church uh, that were attending a, a Christian college up in um, 
Saskatchewan, I think it was. And they were down here for spring break, had been skiing. And when they were on their way back, they blew a radiator uh, hose. The fitting where the radiator goes into the radiator, it broke. And they had the money to get it fixed, but the guy wasn't going to be able to fix it until Monday. And so they came in and they said, asked if we could help them. Okay, what was there, eight or nine of them? Eight, eight college-age girls. All right, and they said, sir, if you would just let us sleep in the fellowship hall, that would be fine. I thought, eight girls, no shower, wait. Okay, and so we took it out of the, the church's funds, and we got them two rooms over at the hotel. Why? It's got a shower. <laughs> Nothing personal. I know women don't smell, but that's not true. Okay, you can keep telling yourself that, but I know. Okay, and and you you know what? They never asked for help. They said, we'll be willing to sleep in the basement, sleep anywhere. You know, just someplace where we can stretch out and rest. We'll get our car fixed and we're on our way in the morning. Fascinating, isn't it? So the church went ahead and put them up in a hotel. So they had showers and then they get that, that what they call a continental breakfast. What the heck is that? Who thought that name up? They call it a bagel. But anyway, that's a continental breakfast. That's a bagel. <laughs> I don't care what continent you're on. Uh, I, but I share that kind of stuff because I didn't ask him to show up. And now listen, we got a whole bunch of people who come in for all kinds. You know, there, for a while, there was a rash. Of, I think it was a plague of transmission failures. Everybody, I need a new transmission in my car. Well, where is it? It's a down the hill. Did you drive it? Uh-huh. You don't need one. I know you don't. If the sucker's moving, the transmission's fine. Okay? But I watch the church today is so based on emotionalism that they've missed faithful, systematic, sacrificial giving. They've completely missed it. They completely missed it. And there's times... Uh, as I shared this morning in an in announcement that we need some help over and above. Well, I'd like to see us help Pastor Philip. I'd like to see us help uh, some stuff for Pastor Paul, knowing that he's got sick relatives in the house. And I'd like to see us uh, exceed what we did last year for the summer camps. That's over and above. And Paul is basically saying here, I don't want some emotional thing when I get there. I want to see the pattern of your life. Now, I bring that to your attention because what was the first 14 chapters? What a bunch of knuckleheads these people were. I mean, chapters 1 through 6, he just blisters them. You got rich people in the church that are having potlucks and they wait and they eat early so that the poor people won't have anything. Oh, by the way, the special offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem... I don't want an emotional appeal for this. I want it to be a, 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 a systematic, faithful, week in, week out, when you come together to worship, time to give. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And he has just taken them here and he says, so that no collection may be made when I come. And he's basically said, you know what? Your self-centeredness that I have dealt with in the first half of this book, I'm calling to the carpet here saying, have it ready. The treasury should be there. Because see, when you look at all of this, the reason, 
to give. Okay? Uh, the, the purposes for giving. When you, you look at the principles for giving of when am I to give? What am I to give? How am I to give? Who is to give? Then that all leads into verse three, which is to protection. Okay? But you have to have all of those to fit into that pattern. Listen, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to let you straighten it out between the Lord and yourselves. Are you faithful and systematic in your giving? Or do you have to be swayed? Okay. Remember, I told you, what do you give? According to the abundance He's already given you. Real simple. Who is to give? Everybody. Where are you to give? When are you to give? Okay. And when you are in that mold of those principles, guess what? You're protected. You're protected. If you are not in that mold, then you're not protected. And you know what? If you look around today at a lot of the events that are in our society, uh, Wall Street and all the rest of the messes out there, and you look at uh, so many Christians today, I can look at them and I can tell by their actions and what they are concerned about that they were not faithful, systematic giving to the body of Christ. Now they'll tell you, I went on a mission trip and laid a bunch of cinder blocks in Mexico. I call them spiritual vacations. Or I did this. You know, I sent a big bunch of used toys to some orphanage somewhere. They missed it. Why? Our first responsibility is to who? This church. You know what? There are people in this church right now who are without a job and have got some financial problems on the horizon, right? Right now in this church. But you also know that the pastor... The teacher who labors in the Word is worth what? Double honor. Okay? I didn't write it. I'm liking that it's in there. But I didn't write it. Well, hey, listen, there's another one in there that says, you know what? The elders are held accountable for the souls entrusted to them. I don't like that one at all. Uh, But he didn't ask me. (laughs) All right? I'm thinking double honor ain't enough here. No. <laughs> some, some of your souls is overtime. Uh, but anyway, just kidding, just kidding. He's being cranky. No. Listen, I, I want you to think about giving. And I, I want you to set aside all the stuff you think you understand about it and ask yourself a single question this way. When it comes to worshiping in my giving, am I really worshiping? Okay. That's the question. All right? Because if you're doing it the way Paul has laid it out here in these first four verses, then guess what? You are protected. You are protected. And then in the the week after that, we'll look at the perspective of giving. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the privilege of being in the body of Christ. Lord, uh, I am overwhelmed at what you do. And I praise you for what you do. And Father, I have watched it so many times in this fellowship, how you have taken a dollar and stretched it beyond our imaginations. It overwhelms me, Father. That overwhelms me. You have been so faithful to us. And Father, you have graced us with so many faithful people. And Father, I would ask that you increase it. 
We give more. We worship more. And we watch fruit that will only last forever. Thank you, Father, for protecting us. And thank you, Father, for drawing us. And thank you, Father, for giving us such abundance that we can even give more. To your glory and praise in Christ's name. Amen.